1: Buddy, we are back with yet the latest and always greatest. And this time, Andy, I mean it because we've got a very special guest joining us on the latest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, brought to you as always by your friends at WEEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports, not to mention a various host and array of sponsors whose live reads and advertisements have played before this podcast, afterwards, and sometimes and on occasion. In the middle of it on today's program, we're going to take a deeper, deeper, deeper dive into the 2023 draft class of the New England Patriots. Talk with somebody inside the building. The call is coming from inside the house with one of my oldest and longest friends of the New England Patriots. The gentleman who actually ascended to the throne once occupied by Andy Hart before he matriculated his way from one Patriot place over to 83 Leo M Birmingham in Brighton. It's Fitz, it. it's Jumbo. and of course, it's, it's my guy, the Deuce, Mr. Pat's Propaganda, the creator of the 28-3 to 3 meme himself, Mike Duso from Patriots.com.
0: What up, Deuce? What's up, my guys? Always good to talk to you. A little football time to check in after the draft. Excited. Deuce, I can't
1: tell you how many times since the last time we had you on the pod, a couple months back, where you introduced me, you indoctrinated me, if you will, you know, I taught you the magic in our more unfiltered days, working the parking lots, running the blogs about GFY, which the older we get, the more professional our responsibilities, children involved in the equation. We can't really just toss that around the same way we used to, but I got to tell you three letter acronyms. I use SFG serious football guy so much. Now it is like my favorite thing. Like uh, that's what I want to name. I want all the the three of us to start a football network called WSFG for serious football guys. Only you'll be the, you'll be the vice president. Uh, Andy, what's your job going to be? Um, let's keep us straight. I'm like the eye candy. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think can we put Keon
0: White in there because I think Keon White would oh be the my god maybe if we want uh, serious abs- football guy.
1: Andy you'll be like the lead analyst. I'll just be like the Ocean State job lot version of Tom Bergeron, just like the generic host that's available for whatever, you know, we need to take us in and out of commercial like SF- wsfg is a real thing. And uh Deuce will begin uh as a couple of SFGs serious football guys in the room today talking about the draft um Everyone has had a chance to sit on it, review it, think about it. We've ruminated, meditated. We've seen the grades they've gone from. I've seen the Patriots finishing 30th out of 32 from some hard O at CBS Sports to mostly positive reviews of B's, B pluses, even a couple of A minuses. And the caveat to all of them seemed to be, I love the Christian Gonzalez pick. I really like day two. Kind of have no idea what the hell they were doing day three. So um, <laughs> now that you've had a chance to remove yourself from it a little bit, what were your highs and lows? The best and worst of the Pat's draft twenty twenty
0: three. Yeah, well, I think with everybody, I was with with you on Gun- Gonzalez. I mean, I think that was you know the kind of player they needed. I know everybody wanted that wide receiver, but it just wasn't that draft this year. I think you know the last couple drafts, if they hadn't gotten a wide receiver there in the first round, you'd probably be pretty disappointed. But I think Gonzalez, all things considered, to get him at seventeen, you know, he's just He's just so athletic you know i think that's what i mean there's been talk about oh he didn't really want to tackle that much i'm like you know what they got plenty of guys in the secondary want to tackle okay like we need big athlete guy who can stick with the best athletes in the league so um gonzalez he's only 20 years old so i think he's still got you know a ways to go in terms of his development so i it was a great start to the draft and then i think from there it's a lot of let's we'll see you know i mean i i, I hate to be you know middle of the fence here on a draft but i think you know maybe i'm getting a little bit I don't know if it's jaded, Andy, or if it's educated. Uh, as you go through these more and more uh, here inside the building, and you see, you know, sometimes the guys you're most excited about don't really work out, and the guys that you maybe sweep under the radar, you don't really have much expectations for. Um, that that they, those are the ones that end up, you know, popping. So um, I, I I I love defense. Keon White, though, I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence of of what what's going to happen with him. Um, that was one pick where I just am kind of like maybe he comes in and maybe he's. And every down defensive end early on stopping the run real tough on the edge and then he slides inside maybe he upgrades dietrich wise but i thought for a second round pick that was one that uh, i don't want to say i dislike it but right now i'm just kind of like i don't know exactly what how it's going to work out it could go either way for me so those are the top two i think to highlight things and then you know we get into the later guys hoping hoping some of those guys work out but i think a lot of those guys are flyers
2: so I don't, I say this as a compliment in a way, I think this was a very simplistic draft for the new England Patriots. And yeah. I'm starting to wonder if Matt grow is a very simple man. And again, I don't mean that in a bad way. The, the quote he's best known for surprise. You guys haven't pumped out any t-shirts. Uh, if you want to get faster, you better draft fast players. If you want to get tougher, you better draft tough players." Like I think he really looks at it that way. And like, if you want a number one cornerback, you better draft a number one cornerback. And if
1: if you want better athletes on your team, you better draft athletes because wasn't the RAS thing a big deal this year, Andy? Y-
2: yeah, I'm a little annoyed at that. We can go down that road a different day. Um, but <laughs> like he drafts a kicker because they needed a kicker and he drafts a punter because they needed a punter.
0: And last year they needed a
2: guard. They drafted right, a guard. right. Th- because they don't. made the I, hole where that's... they needed the guard. So we don't need to go down that road. Oh, yes. um, but and, and for Keon White, I think that's a classic Belichickian second round pick where first round talent, but for whatever reason, the guy is available, blah, blah, blah. But if you hit on it, you got a guy that might've been a top 20 prospect based on his overall tools. But so my question really though, is about grow. Do you feel, cause I do, uh, do you feel like grow is kind of putting his stamp on this process? Like I, I thought he was pretty confident in his pre-draft press conference, like sort of, self-assured of his role in the process. And the thing I found most interesting was when he said, yeah, Bill asks a lot of questions in the room. And it's like, hmm, that means you answer the questions. That means you're kind of a big swing and you know what in that room. So just what are your thoughts on the Matt Groh era here?
0: I think that's a good observation. And I mean, and you know, we here at Patriots.com put out, you know, some of those videos where we interviewed him at the combine. And I I think you're totally right. He just has kind of a, the word I was thinking was self-confidence just about the process he's been doing it for a few years now um it'll be interesting to see how this class works out because I think you know we were also high on that 2021 class and I felt like oh this is you know Matt Groh is taking over and this is you know and, and that was kind of the same thing you're talking about it was like you took the Alabama quarterback right where where you probably should have taken him you traded up for an Alabama guy you got a couple Oklahoma guys right. like it wasn't you know trying to zig when everyone else is zagging just to, just to zag um so I, I like what you're saying. And I, and I hope that it, I hope that it works out that way. And I think, you know, I think, you know, you guys were talking before t- talking about the six round, you know, receivers and, you know, I, I like those picks. Like, I, I think like, and I hate to say like a six round can kind of change how you view the, the draft. Cause I was just, but it's, it is, they do feel like lottery cards and I don't know if either one of them are going to hit. I think I'll be happy if one of them hits. And I think it's a need that they have, but I do think that there was a lot of paint by number. It was just that, I think everybody looked at the offense last year and said, you know, this is the side that really needs the help. You didn't really get that immediate help. And, you know, I do think that defense was kind of, I don't want to say underratedly bad, but I just think, how are you going to get over the, 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 that, (laughs) that how are you going to get over that hump against the really good quarterbacks? And I mean, you you haven't really seen anything the last couple of years with those front seven guys. So, you know, to your point, how many times are we going to run it back with Dietrich wise, Lawrence guy, Devon Godshot, you know, it's the same thing. So to inject, Keon White at the at the front level to, you know, see what we have with Mapu with him, you know, as a linebacker safety, how that all works out. Don't really know. And then with Gonzalez, you get guys at all three levels of the defense that I think, at least in theory, should be able to, you know, try to take you to that next level to get over the hump against those quarterbacks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on grow. I think he's you know taking ownership, but we'll see how this draft you know works out.
2: Fitzy, there's our movie poster for this segment. Patriots.com defense was underratedly bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's a funny thing because everyone league wide, anytime Bill Belichick is there, the specter of defensive prowess and greatness will always linger and loom over the team, over Gillette stadium. And last year, if you look at the team, the offense was so glaringly bad. So historically inefficient, not only just for the new England Patriots, but overall in the 21st century that it by default made the defense look better when in fact they couldn't come up with big stops against better teams in big games. Yes. So they did need to add more violence in on the front seven. They do need to add better coverage in the secondary, and they do need greater athleticism. And so I think they have addressed all three of those points. And I want to get to some other things that they – some other glaring needs as well that I would like to defend about the draft. But, uh, you know, Andy, Mike and I had a chance to <clears> – <throat> Uh, talk with uh Matt Groh a couple years ago. We hosted a little QA. Oh uh, I just want to say that's the little oh you always who's the first one to mention every week. You know, when I was doing TV the other night, <laughs> blah, blah blah blah. yeah, don't 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 tear your bicep again, reaching around to pat yourself on the back, big guy. <laughs> but um when we talked to Matt Groh, I remember Deuce when you and I sat downstairs in the studio at the stadium for the streaming uh little post-draft recap. With Matt Groh in studio, and then we talked to Kyle Duggar. The two big takeaways were Kyle Duggar is all about football, and that's literally all he cares about. SFG. No wonder why Belichick loves him. SFG and <laughs> yes, major SFG, and how composed and intelligent Matt Groh is. Like he is such like we've even played audio of him on the radio, like Belichick talking, and then Steve Belichick talking, and then Matt Groh talking, and you literally can't tell who's who. Like they're <laughs> clones of each other. But the guy knows his stuff, and I remember we were both so impressed with what he talked about with Josh Bledsoe, his high level of compete, always asking if he is a safety slash corner, could cover a number one receiver because he wanted the smoke, and how that impressed them. And I I just think the draft is in such better – he's continuing to put his handprint on it, if you will, Andy, and he's getting quality football players. Like I really think the turnaround roster-wise started in 21 – We'll just wipe out 2020 altogether and the Asi and Keen misfires. Thank God they got Duggar in that draft. And 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 Mike on Wenyu. And I think the change has really begun with them. And to everyone who, you know, like oh a, lo- a little defensive heavy. Okay, but I think all three of us agree maybe the defense did have some glaring weaknesses last year. In special teams, anyone who wants to criticize the need for a kicker and the need for a punter just needs to watch the second half of the season when A, the Pilardi party, as Andy called it, began, and everyone was sad they accepted the invite because <laughs> yards per kick went down. He wasn't as good at placing the ball. Uh, there were missed field goals by, by Nick Folk, my guy, big kick. Nick, Andy blamed it on Pilardi because he wasn't as good a holder. And the kickoffs, because Vizcaino wasn't wasn't him, Nick Folk was on kickoffs, you were losing like 10 to 12 yards of depth on kickoff that led to longer kickoff returns and multiple kickoff return touchdowns. Like these little things, when you're a team that is living on the margins, Deuce, matter. And that's what bit them in the ass to me in the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, they just hope it works out. You know, I mean, drafting a rookie kicker and a rookie punter at the same time. I mean, are there gonna be growing pains with those guys? I mean, we saw him take that kid Justin Rorwasser a couple of years ago. He didn't even, you know, make it out of camp. Didn't even look like he could really kick. Uh, not to say that Ryland is or Behringer gonna have that, but you know, they like Andy said. They kind of had the holes. They went. They filled it in the draft. And you know, you just hope that those guys, are, you know, are able to work out. That they're able to kick in the clutch. They're able, you know. And it sounds like they, you know, have all the serious football guy requirements. Talking to some of their coaches here over the last week or so. Um, you know, I talked to the to the Eastern Michigan coach who uh, who said Ryland like came out of the womb mature. <laughs> so I said that sounds about right. Um, you know, so and then you know, I'd also throw in the, the you know the bottom two defensive backs who were also kind of special teams guys. You know, I think it's just a, an issue of balancing it. And you know, as bad as the special teams were, the offense was pretty bad too. And it mm-hmm. felt like the special teams kind of got more attention, or at least more immediate attention, than the offense did. And uh, you know, uh, you know, Perillo, uh, you know, what Fred and him always say, Andy, of you know, don't pay attention to what they say, pay attention to what they do. And you know, for a large part, they're they're bringing it back with the offensive line. They're they're putting a lot on. Bill O'Brien to kind of come in and make this all work together. Um, again, you know, if Booty or Douglas works out, I think, you know, that's a, a need to have some speed in the, in the middle of the field. And I think Bill O'Brien could have some fun with those guys. But, you know, it's just a lot on him. And, and that, I think, is where the Patriots have to make up the difference. If, if the defense, you know, if Keon White doesn't come in and immediately con- contribute, um, you know, it's just where are we going to – and the other one thing I'll just bring up, too, that just kind of a lingering – two lingering thoughts on the draft surprised they didn't get a tight end like just how, how do you not with, with two guys on one-year deals neither one of them really an ideal blocker to not even you know take a take a swing on one of those guys i know Gro said um that the party was 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 kind of you know going by pretty quick um with them and 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 then just you know defensive end with with matthew judon like what happened i keep saying this all off season what happens if matthew judon gets goes down i mean i just i just think their depth on the stand-up edge guys is just so thin are you expecting Uche to, to, to make another leap to, to play early downs? I'm not really, but you know Perkins, Jennings, these are guys who haven't played a lot and haven't played at you know, certainly the level that Judon has. So those are just two kind of lingering concerns, I think, coming out. How do you not get the tight end, and, and what happens here at, at outside linebacker if Judon goes down?
2: So I know you've heard this many times as I have. It's a mosaic, this, this roster building thing, right? And it's <laughs> yeah, never sure. done. There's still plenty of time to do more stuff. But plenty. in reality, I think – I mean, hell, we're seeing it. Everybody's putting out their roster projections like – this is pretty much the group you're picking from. This yep. is your roster, your your personnel groupings on various situations are going to come from the guys that we now know. We can go to Patriots.com, click. They are there. <laughs> so the one thing I will defend Bill on a little bit was the whole free agency. They went offense. They added at tight end. They added at tackle. They added at running back. They added at receiver. Could have been different. Could have split it more in free agency and then maybe draft it a little bit different. But putting all those together. James Robinson, I want you to talk about in a minute. Just side note, because I love him <laughs> and I think he's going to be a stud. Um nice. but like he's hot too. He's motivated. He how do you how do you feel about the offseason? Like we're now in May and OTAs are ticking up and we'll be at mini camps and availabilities. And how do you feel about the one to ninety roster that will turn into a one to fifty three? Do you feel better about this team?
0: A little bit. Cool. And that and that's it. Oh, I mean, you know, I, I I feel a little bit. better right, about
1: And better about do do the last broadcast here on WSFG. Thanks for tuning in to the Serious Football Guy Show with Deuce Hart and Fitzy. Gee, we'll talk to you later. We bring you in for positivity because I, I killed this guy. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. He ruined I, me and now see, What's going on, Deuce? I thought we were the Pats positive guys.
0: Well, I mean, and, and, and look, I gotta, I gotta. I gotta be honest. I mean, I, you know, and I think for all the credit we gave macro, I mean, I, I still think that the jury's largely out on last year's draft class and how much those guys are going to contribute. You know, I, I don't really know with, with that whole class. And, you know, now you add this class in. I look, I think with any draft class, it's hard to know. And, and they certainly could have gotten a number of pieces that they needed. I think, you know, what they did in free agency is what they usually do in free agency. And generally, I think that that is a, a smart way to build a team. I think we saw in 2021, if you try to rectify all your mistakes, with free agency, you're going to overpay. You're going to miss on some of them. You're not going to end up filling the holes. The key is is the draft. And that's really what we've been pounding here. Of like, you know, how you got into this mess was the draft. And, I mean, I went back and did, like, some stupid research last couple of weeks of just – Compared to the division, I mean, they've missed flat out missed on more guys than any of those other three teams in the AFC East. I mean, just flat out missed guys that just never have contributed anything. Um, And when you look at the draft results from 2017, 2018, 2019 for the AFC East, this is why the Patriots are where they are. So you know, do you feel better about it? I I think there's some potential there. I mean, I think there's certainly Christian Gonzalez. That's a huge piece you need. If Keon White ends up working out, you know, I, I think back a little bit to 90, you know, 96, 95, when they got, you know, McGinnis and Ty Law, and you started to really put those pieces into place that, you know, not only got you to Super Bowl in 96, but then formed a dynasty defense in the early 2000s. So, um, I guess the reason that I'm lukewarm is that I don't have high expectations for for the free agents. Not not to, not to knock them. Just saying, based on what we saw, you know, maybe Kasiki comes in and all right, he's or maybe James Robinson, he's the one that's really productive. You know, one of those guys should be. I, I'm hoping one of the tackles is you know is productive and healthy and you know able to play. Riley Reef, are we you know are we counting on that? Are we saying? Calvin Anderson is now back and he's maybe an ascending guy. I don't know. That's, you know, it's, it's tough to really Trump Brown, Are we getting 17 games out of him again? I, I, all at a high level. That's a, that's another question. So just a lot of questions. And I think ultimately you want to boil it all down. I think last, the last three draft classes have to lead the way this year. And, and if they're going to like, you know, get over that hump, of being able to take down Buffalo finally, of being able to take down Tua finally, which, you know, they still haven't done, even with last year's win without Tua over them. Uh, you know, those are those are the things. I think these young guys, the Tyquan Thorntons of the world, uh, you know, they need to step up and, and really seize these roles and, and become the new core. I think that's that's ultimately going to be the key. But is it a one-year fix? Are the Patriots back? Are they pushing Buffalo in 2023 based on this offseason? I, I, I have to see it on the field. I don't, right now, I'd say probably not.
2: Fitzy, want to tell him what you call the uh, competition at right tackle? Oh,
1: the oh the bum fight at uh, <laughs> it's a ho- <laughs> dude. It's a it's an absolute, it's an absolute hobo alley fight between like McDermott, Reef, Calvin Anderson. I mean, it, my guy Stuber Stuba. could come. Like, oh, is that Stuber's music? Like who knows? Like the five guys who may not even get a chance to compete for like a practice squad job on some teams could all be competing for right tackle and swing tackle duties here. Who knows? Maybe there is another diamond in the rough and they'll find somebody that, you know, would be Belichickian or as we now describe them bloom esque since he loves being a freegan and dumpster diving (laughs) for free agent players and value finds on his team. But uh, one question we've kind of knocked around for a while and I want to just get your spin on it as well. Uh, This morning, I just wrote up a quick little blog for .com about the Athletic put together their all 22, their 22 favorite draft picks, and it was a mix of athleticism, value, and where they were taken. And they put two of the 22, or at least in terms of both sides of the ball, not special teamers, went to the Patriots. City Sal, fourth rounder, because he may get a shot at tackle, which is impressive because he played there one year at Eastern Michigan, and also Marte Mapu, who everyone loves and thinks will be a classic Belichick cog. But do you think Deuce, when you look at this draft, did they draft for this year to truly compete? And I'm not going to say there's, they're, they're seeding 23 to the bills and, you know, first year of Rogers and jets. Did they really draft for this year? Or was this a, we'll do our best this year, but we're really in it for 24, 25 as well.
0: I mean, I think after the first round, you're always kind of, you know, drafting for the future anyway. You know, I mean, I think outside of Gonzalez, who are you really, you know, hoping plays every down? I mean, you know, you get to Keon White a little bit, but then the questions start in terms of, you know, then Mapu, how's he fit into all this? You know, there's certainly a log jam with safety linebacker hybrid. So, you know, how does he carve out a role, especially with the torn pack injury that you know could limit him? I mean, we you see it all the time with these rookies. It's just unfortunate that, guys start out behind the eight ball. I mean, you saw it with, I mean, Harry didn't come in injured, but he got injured pretty quick. And then you just, you know, you see players like him, not to say that I think he ever would have, you know, if he had just been healthy those first couple weeks of camp, it would all work out when they kill Harry. But it's just so hard once you get behind the eight ball. So um, I I do think that there's an eye to the future, certainly on the defensive side of the ball where, you know, it's like I said, you've been kind of running back with this kind of group over and over and over again. And, and you see when they go up against the really, really good teams that they just they, they can't quite make that last play. Um, you know, one other kind of stat that I've just been mentioning a lot. They had a bunch of sacks last year. I, mean, I think they were third or fourth in the league somewhere, you know, close to 60 sacks or 21st on third down, though. So, you know, it's just a disconnect there for me that, you know, I think the defense, they certainly are kind of like the whole team is when they see blood in the water and it's a weak team and they get out and they get a good start and it's like, all right, gangbusters, you roll those teams. But, you know, when it's a tough team, you get a bad start. You're in a little bit of a hole. Um, you know, I thought we saw a little bit of resilience there in the final game of the season. You know, how, how could you not with the circumstances and to start it off the way that they did. But, um, you know, I, I just I think guys like Mapu, exciting like hey I love watching him play certainly he's one of those serious football guys and um you know those are City Sal and him were both guys that I wrote I'm writing profiles about so I've talked to their coaches in the last week or so um and you know Mapu's just everything that the Patriots love he's you know big he brings the thunder with his shoulder Mm -hmm. uh he loves watching film I mean you guys heard him when he got questioned it's like all he really likes to do is football he's like I don't really have any other interest um and and as far as Sal too I should I should just say I talked to his coach coach Creighton yeah, he played left tackle his first year. And, I mean, he said, look, if we had two city souths on our team, they would have been at left tackle and left guard. And we just felt like, for us, getting him in the middle of the line to get that interior push uh, was the most important thing to us. So that's why he kind of ended up inside. So I do think that there's some potential there. I've heard, you know, maybe some comps to, like, Marcus Cannon. I don't – you know, we saw, Michael, and when you play a little bit of right tackle, but is he going to be a left tackle in the pros? I don't know you know, and it's, it's Trump Brown going back to the left side, not to keep this whole cycle going to questions, but that's how it goes right now, you know? So we've
2: talked about Fitzy and I, that Bill O'Brien might be sort of the most important person in the organization right now, because. Sort of. (laughs) Okay. He is Um, because of the job he has to do, fixing the offense on the field, the technical aspect, but also maybe being the go between between Belichick and Mac and salvaging whatever that relationship is. And just so many levels, but he's in a weird situation. In my opinion, I want you, Do you, in some ways, he can't, he's in a no lose situation because he's replacing arguably the worst offensive coordinator in the history of football. And I don't say that with any glee. uh,
1: Arguably?
2: Okay. So he's the worst. I like Matt. I'm trying to be nice. Um, But on the other hand, because of that, I think people are like, well, they didn't make a lot of personnel changes. So if they're going to be significantly better, it's all on him. Like, so there's almost high expectations there that it's going to be tough to probably meet with no. Game-changing players or whatever. So what are your expectations for the impact that Bill O'Brien can realistically have? They're going to be better. They're going to be better coached. But are they going to be good enough? Yeah. Oh, and
1: Deuce, if I may add to, to Andy's question, there was that thing that came out earlier this week that said the Patriots offense is largely going to look like it did last year as well, <laughs> which I think caused a lot of people, Andy, to be like, what the
0: f-? say it. I, I, I mean, I, I just, I struggle to imagine it could be worse than what we watched in training camp those first couple of weeks. I mean, and it was like, Yimpy. you know, I, I've said it before, you know, oh. talking to Paul, like, you know, this are this what four years I've watched like all the training camp. Like I used to go to training camp, but you wonder like, am I really seeing what they're seeing? Like, this looks dysfunctional to me, but are they like, Nope, we got all our work in. We got what we needed. It looked fine to us. You know, I think last year proved to me that like, no, no, it was, it was every bit as bad as, as we thought it was watching it go down. And so from that perspective, I don't know how it could be that bad. Like I just, I have absolutely expectations that they're going to get out there and at least look like, hey we 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 practice with purpose we're accomplishing things it's not like all right now we're gonna do 10 minutes of wide zone you know it was like what like this is it like what are we doing so i i expect from that perspective that that people will be in better positions i'll expect them to be better coordinated right Mm. like that's what a coordinator does the stupid pre-snap penalties like the the consistent mistakes like that are self-inflicted not knowing what to do not getting the play in All of those things i think have to be better and and then i think when you look at the the sum of all the different parts are there questions absolutely do they have that number one target probably not but do they have enough pieces to make an effective offense. Do they have some speed? Yes. Do they have some contested catch and size ability downfield and in the red zone? Yes. Do they have a couple tight ends that are a little bit versatile and could maybe cause some matchup problems? Yes. Do they have maybe some potential with some rookies with some quickness in the middle of the field to kind of dust off that old Julian Edelman, Wes Welker kind of, you know, position underneath. You can't just run four verts every time, which is what, Outside of those two rookies, it appears like what they'd like to do between Gasicki and Parker and Thornton. Uh, you know, so I I do think that they have some pieces to be significantly better. I just I think the bottom line for me is though, is can Mac and can the offense be better than what they were in 2021 with Josh? Can they take a step forward beyond that? And I don't know where that's gonna end them up. I don't expect it'll be in a top five offense, but you know, can they be hovering around the top 10? And put up some points against against some of the best defenses especially in crunch time those are you know it's almost like specific questions of, of how can this are they going to end up at the end of the year high rankings all that probably not but i think that they can be affected with the pieces if if they're coordinated and they all come together at the right time okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think you said, can they take a step forward beyond 2021? First things first, they have to get back to the line where they began the 2022 season before they took massive regressions and huge steps back last year. So the first step forward was bringing Bill O'Brien aboard. Second step forward was bringing in some new guys like Robinson to replace Harris. He doesn't really replace Harris, but he's your backup running back. Could be a cog that can be used all over the green veritable chessboard, if you will. Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosicki. Okay, now let's see how they implement this offense. Even if it looks similar, what if it's actually just more professional they run with competence? And you have to solidify the line. The special teams were a big issue last year. The offensive line was a big issue. You hire Adrian Clem. That brings you another step yep. back to where we began 2022. So before we go past 21, we got to get back to at least where we thought they were in May of 2022 before the S hit the fan. Um Speaking of people who could potentially be playmakers, value picks, diamonds in the rough, there's a couple that we have our eye on. We were talking before the pod Mm -hmm. about Andy believes now there almost might be an unhealthy amount of pressure on this Kayshawn Butte kid, who everyone thinks is going to be Steph Diggs 2.0 because fastest receiver ever to 100 receptions at LSU, 300 yards, as a freshman, 300 yards in a game against Ole Miss. Like The tape is out there that when he's healthy and his mind is right, This kid's a stud, but there have been issues along the way. And also the other guy who I'm just as interested in is the richest deal ever given to an UDFA uh, undrafted free agent for those not in the know. UDFA is a spinoff network of WSFG Uh, Malik Cunningham. Now this could potentially be the 20th year that an undrafted free agent makes the Patriots, which is like an NFL record by eons. Um, This guy looked like, seriously to talk you want to talk about like the market basket or the Shaw's version of Lamar Jackson That's what undrafted Lamar. That's what he is, undrafted. undrafted Lamar. <laughs> That's it. We're just going to call him. I mean, he can scoot. He moves like with the ball in his hands. He looks great. I said, you know, uh, I asked Andy one day, you know, do you think they could try to put him on some sort of Edelman track where he returns kicks, tries to be a receiver because he himself said, I'll do whatever it takes to make the team. Oh, I got the usual earful. Oh, so he's going to be a Super Bowl MVP. Oh, you're just comparing him to one of the clutchest players in Patriots. Any chance to bust my football? What Andy That's does. Fine. I know. That's what a- Andy do. What Andy does. I get Objectivity. it. Objectivity. Um, <laughs> do you believe there's any chance either of these guys makes the team? And if we temper expectations, could have a little impact this year and then grow with the offense.
0: Yeah. I mean, the booty thing kind of reminds me of what they did a lot in like the mid 2000s with Brady, where they'd get like, you know, this former first round pick receiver that flamed out and, you know, and bring him in, just give him a try. A lot of times didn't work out, but they were always open to that. So, I mean, I, I just, I love the, and I throw Demario Douglas in there too, because I just kind of consider True. those guys joined at the hip. And I like what they both represent where with booty, former five-star recruit did it at the highest level. If he had continued to do it, he would have been, you know, a first round kind of consideration guy has character, you know, concerns with with how everything went down last year and all the all off field stuff. But at sixth round, I mean, what 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 do you have to lose? I don't really have high expectations um for him, but I just I think one of those two. I need to see one of those two. And I, you know, and Douglas is a small school guy, but you know, has that kind of electric quickness. And I think Paul was was writing his uh profile and you know kind of almost got The vibe of, hey, if Marcus Jones played offense full time, this is kind of, you know, might what might kind of be what he would be like. So hard to say, like, oh, these guys are going to come in and, you know, get make it make, you know, Kendrick Bourne redundant and they'll be able to get. I'm not going to say that, but I just if one of those guys can come in, be the fourth or fifth receiver, jump in in specialty situations, help out with punt returns. I think it would be a huge need filled. As for Cunningham, I'm I'm. I'm not really holding out hope he's going to be a receiver but I do think that they've gotten lit up going back to like 2019 by Lamar and people of his ilk who run well and you know I think part of that is like one I'd look at like a mapu to say like they're still last year watch Mac Wilson try to go against Lamar look like he was as we said in a blender the whole time um you know can they find somebody who's smart enough to and, and quick enough to keep up with those guys so I just, I like the thought of Cunningham even just being the practice squad guy. And, you know, when we've got to face the Justin Fields or we've got to mm-hmm. face one of these mobile quarterbacks, we've got a guy who can't just, give, who's not just going to give us a look, but is going to really show the kind of like speed that you need to be aware of that he has, because you just can't recreate it. So I love the speed aspect of it. I, I'm not really holding out hope that there's some kind of intrigue that he's going to like, you know, push Mac and all of a sudden he's the third quarterback and all that kind of stuff. But um I do think it's a big need and it's been a big problem for this defense. You talk about, you know, they're a little bit overrated when it goes well and they play a third string quarterback who doesn't really know like, Hey, it's all good then. But you know, when you get a quarterback who can run and you got to think about that part of it, they've, they've had some trouble.
2: So we've touched a little bit on grow and Bill O'Brien. I'm wondering what you think of the power structure within the organization, which has been obviously a big topic this offseason. Add in Gerard Mayo, Steve Belichick, Joe Judge, his role to that mix. Uh, I threw the phrase around for Bill Belichick, semi-retired. I think he is now an overseer. I think he has a lot of people with a credibility, the word we've been using, but Mm -hmm. also that he trusts in a lot of those roles and maybe he won't have to be all do all wear all the hats as Steve Belichick says so what are your overall thoughts of how this organization coaching staff the structure of everything comes together uh maybe in response to the dysfunction of a year ago and probably at the uh, behest or the pushing of the Kraft family
0: yeah I think uh it's interesting because I don't know how you guys felt but I just like When Bill O'Brien came into the room a couple of weeks ago and we got to interview him, it's just like this. I said to Paul, I'm like, this guy, he's got like head coach swagger. Like yep. he just like, you know, he just has a confidence about him and what he does, where he's been. He's obviously seen it all at this point. So I just love that ad- addition where it just feels like, all right, certainly Bill at this point can say, Tell me what you need to, but I don't need to have my hand in this jar right. The only thing I just would wonder is. How much of an influence did Bill have on the direction that the offense tried to take last year? I mean, I know it didn't work, but what was the impetus? Because, it, you know, it seemed to everybody who was out there watching, you guys saw it, it's like, wow, they really want to push the ball down the field. That was the only thing they could really do. Uh, you know, it just it wasn't much of that underneath stuff anymore. It just, it just seems philosophically it, it shifted a little bit. And my, my question is, is Bill still driving that kind of philosophical switch? Not so much, you know, saying, all right, we need to run these plays, but just saying, look if we want to compete in today's NFL, I feel that we need to go down field more with, you know, like it just, that feels like part of it. So is that going to carry over into this coaching staff? And I mean, I know Joe Judge is, uh, you know, was part of the, that offensive coaching staff last year, but you know, just not having that Ernie Adams guy. I mean, he had the Matty P up there a couple of years ago, you know, just to have these kind of support pieces in place so that, you know, he can be as effective as possible and have his hands in as many different things and doesn't need to get bogged down you know, in the offense or the defense this year. So maybe he can give some attention to special teams and all that. So I hope so. Um, You know, I'm just, I'm wondering where things are headed that, you know, last year that that whole situation did not work out well. I think everybody kind of feels like, man, we didn't really accomplish much last year. It feels like we kind of burned a year. Um,
1: Entirely. That's exactly, that is the biggest takeaway.
0: They pardon, pardon
1: my French. They pissed away a year. Like Mac Jones is basically, I call it his emotional red shirt season. Like it's his third year in the league, but to me, he's a second year quarterback because if anything, they undid so much of what he learned in the progress, quality progress he made, not as a five-star or blue chip quarterback entering the NFL, but as a serviceable mid level quarterback who made significant strides and everyone would have wanted him over Trevor Lawrence after 2021 and now it's the exact opposite because we see what quality coaching and competent coordinating all the c words that's Andy's big thing recently He's, he keeps saying like the patriots are all about the c word competence <laughs> confidence competitive like this is what we can expect out of the team this year uh and i i think that it, it's crazy to think that and i you know i fawned over and geeked out about that graphic yesterday from the game day nfl on the socials where it's like most playoff wins by nfl teams since 2000 and the Patriots have 30. And the next team doesn't even have half as many. It's and it just sort of washes over you like, oh my God, we really will never wrap our mind around how great they were and how good we had it for so long. But it is so jarring when you're like, okay, so we woke up every year and we're like, well, AFC championship for starters. And now it's like, can we be competent? My <laughs> God.
0: Yeah. And I just, I mean, I just want to get back to the things that, you know, that we kind of came to believe over the course of 20 years. Certainly, Tom Brady was Tom Brady. And that whole element of it is, you know, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And that covers up a lot. But still, I don't think it's too much to expect a team that doesn't make stupid mistakes in the key moments that, you know, isn't having self inflicted wounds. Like, you know, those things, like I can deal with a lot. I can deal with, you know, just coming up short when you played well and all that. But, you know, just last year, there was just too much where it felt like, you're not even giving yourselves a chance right now. And that's, you know, always that core tenant that we begin, we come to believe that you got to learn how to not lose first before you can win. And, you know, it just felt like last year's team was, was a step back and, you know, just couldn't quite get out of their own way in some of the key times. So that's the biggest hope of just the restructured coaching staff that they're able to, you know, pull that stuff out in the big moments and, you know, play their best football against the best teams. It's just something we haven't seen a lot of in the last few years. And it's, you know, certainly they house those bad teams, team come here, not ready to play or shorthanded, they're ready to go. It's just they gotta they gotta get back to beating good teams. And I think that's the biggest thing that just you know stands out. Improve drafts, beat the good teams, and, and they'll be back on track.
2: And entertain me because I don't think they've been a very entertaining football a, team for a couple of years. That's
0: a great point. And I just look at like, you know, like this the, the 10-3 over the Jets, which was like, my uh, God, how, what we sat through 59 minutes one and what 40 play that. <laughs> one
1: you know, play.
0: I, I, and at least, you know, 2021, at least, like, look, it didn't always go great, but you gave Tampa a hell of a time. You gave Dallas was a hell of yep. a game to watch. It was fun. Uh, it was. You, you it know, there just there weren't a lot of those games where it's just. I think that's a big thing. It's like you kind of get a sense. Yeah, Patriots are cooked in this one. And, you know, when it's against a good team. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, but as soon as Buffalo ran that opening kickoff, I'm like, here we go again.
1: You know, it was so then they stormed back and they took the lead?
0: Right, that was the most shocking thing of the whole. And season. the
1: D de- and and Andy and Andy and Deuce, the defense let them down late. And then Mac Mac tried too hard, and he threw some dumb picks late on. So the offense wasn't prepared. Just kind of like back in the preseason of twenty twenty two, and they said uh, offensive players uh, reportedly said so. What are we going to do if the defense reacts to the formation we put out there? And they were told, like, "Ah, we'll figure that out later. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it." Yeah,
0: <laughs> well, that's worry. the Bill O'Brien thing, where he's got the answers right away. You know, he's just been through it all, and you know, that kind of confidence trickles down through the team. And so, you know, I just, I do, I have high expectations for for what he's able to do. I mean, I think, you know, it's just last year, the coaching, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough, and I don't think the players ever bought in. And it's shocking in, in retrospect to say that because at the time, I was like, I don't know, how you were fitzy, I'm like kicking and screaming the whole time, like this can can't be it like this can't be really bad it can't be this bad really like this is really how it's gonna go and the whole season I mean it's just it was you know joint practices I mean everything it was just you're always kind of like oh oh, they had a couple good plays there you know like that but it looked the same the whole season long they make a couple big plays down the field they'd have a bunch of screwy mistakes false starts all that kind of stuff they would back up you know it was the same thing the narrative that was established in August continued through the year so they got to break that cycle
2: if the narrative this year is Um, looking like, let's just say, that the narrative that the the Red Sox are going down. There were some low expectations, roster not exactly decked out in stars, but now they're a competitive team, they're entertaining, probably not going to be a playoff team when the totality of the season plays out. It's a long year. But let's just say the Patriots go sort of down that same road. You mentioned it earlier. The division's tough. You're in a tough division. If they are, I've been saying this, they might be a much better team that finishes in fourth place. Is that good enough? Like, is that enough for you? Is that enough for fans? Is that enough for Robert and Jonathan Kraft? Is that, is that enough to be
0: better, but not good enough? I mean, if that's the situation, I mean, of course you need to sit, tell me like, what did the losses look like? You know, the, Oh, they lost an overtime to Buffalo. Like, Oh my God, right. we had, you know, like, but I would just say, you know, kind of to get back to my last point, do you come out of the season feeling like, Hey, we've got maybe two, maybe three potential NFL stars brewing on this team that we didn't quite realize before the season and wow you know I I, I don't know how it's all going to work out but holy crap you know Taquan Thornton had 900 yards receiving and you know had that one game where he was just he was running by everybody and wow yeah. Mac just looks rejuvenated with Bill O'Brien and this really plays into all the strengths that we thought Mac Jones you know had in his coming out and in his first year of his ability to process and get the ball out quick to the right guy and wow when he's in an actually coordinated offense that it's amazing how effective he can actually be. So, you know, but it's it's tough, and, and like you said, it's just the division is an absolute beast right now. And I mean, it's the common refrain: what would have happened last year with those Jets games if Aaron Rodgers had been on that team? It probably would have been a little bit different. So, um, a little. (laughs) but I have to say like I just I haven't given up hope I still you know I still have to see it with Miami I have to see Miami sustain it because I don't think Miami's you know last couple drafts have been absolute slam dunks of course they got Ramsey and that's you know something you got to deal with but and they got Chubb and they and they got talent I mean there's no question they got talent in in key spots but you know I I think the Patriots will be competitive with them um you know we'll see I think everybody's just waiting with the Jets to see all right is it going to actually be good or is it going to somehow still be a train wreck I don't think anything can be ruled out with that team
1: no, I the, the Jets will be the most fascinating team and uh we'll rapid fire through our last couple of thoughts. Uh, because you've been generous enough with your time as it is, but we can never stop talking with the Where ultimate serious football guy. What what I know, be? right? This is what we this is what, what this is this is what and or how we do, even in May after the draft when we're supposed to be in yet one of the other lulls. Okay, schedule release is coming. It's such another made-up NFL holiday. You guys will have a whole big schedule, Palooza. We're doing an entire show Thursday night on WEI. Me, Hart, Keefe, talking draft, excuse me, talking schedule, everything else. The international game gets announced on Wednesday. It's looking like it's going to be a mid-November affair in Frankfurt against the Saints, which should be awesome. Derek Carr, Mac Jones, whatever. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolute blast. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, I like that one up. Yeah, Mac, Mac Jones versus you know Mac Jones five years from now. Whatever, <laughs> it'll just be fun. I hear the beer is good, the schnitzel is delish. Yeah, we're just gonna go have fresh beer. It's fine. Purity standards and laws. It's fine. Uh, what do you think? What What are you looking forward to seeing? Like when the schedule comes out? I'm obviously looking immediately for the opener. I really do not want it to be against Miami again. I'm good with that for a while. <laughs> Pats, fins to open the season. Chicken. I no, I want the Jets. I want I want Pat's Jets Ooh. to open the season. I think that would be Belichick great. Rodgers. And you know what? And I want it. I want it in Mordor. I want to open <laughs> in Jersey.
0: that would be fun. I mean, I, I I could get up for that. I mean, I will say I always liked the Jets rivalry best when Rex Ryan was there, and you just he got you so fired up, you know. Like you just you knew that they were going to bring their best punch, and you know, I just it, it's so much better when you have rivalries and juice within the division. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know if I'm getting old and jaded, but now I feel like I'm looking more of like, all right, how many night games? How many are back to back? What are the short yep. weeks like? Dad needs to sleep. Like, what am I gonna what, what, what's the yep. Monday night? What's my Thursday night game gonna look like? When do I have to plan to do? my
1: down days?
0: <laughs> right. What are you planning <laughs> no. how much fiber
1: you're gonna pack on the trip to old man? No, actually we all do the same thing.
0: <laughs> and I, and I, I, I'm like, I'm almost as interested to see the preseason schedule because like, all right, what's my what's my summer going to look like? What's August going to look like? Yep. You know, it sounds like there are, are are rumors of a couple joint practice trips, which I, I always enjoy. Yep. Um, so maybe it's a little bit more of the logistics, but I mean, there's just so many, you know, great matchups this year within the division. When are you going down to Miami? What's that, you know? When are you when are you when are you got to play in Buffalo? Is it in December again, uh, January? When when do those games look like? So for me, I always start with the division. I just feel like the road to the playoffs goes through the division. These teams have, you know, kind of owned you two of them. Have kind of owned you for the last few years. You, you've maintained your dominance over the Jets, but that equation has changed. Um, so that's always where I start but I think Germany will 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 be an all a lot of fun as if that all works out uh, as you laid out so uh hopefully we'll be there and uh you know we're getting like a crash course in like the different regions of Germany so like you don't really wear later hosen and that stuff in the south of Germany so um just something to be aware of with your content when you're trying to pitch to the Frankfurt people so you get it right (laughs) don't offend
2: them with your idiocy Right, right. Sorry, Clark
0: Griswold. We're going European vacation, you know.
2: Interesting. Um, The other thing that I'm interested in with with the the schedule, and I know, take a step back for a second. I know the schedule is just changing dramatically with the streaming networks and the no guaranteed primetime games and just Mm -hmm. all of it. But there is still I love that though. You're going to find out what the TV networks and what the NFL thinks of the Patriots by their primetime appearances and sort of their big games and as you've kind of alluded to with your tone for the previous 40 plus minutes (laughs) I don't think there's going to be a lot of like wow Patriots games because there's no wow to them there's no buzz to them there's no star factor like the biggest thing they still have going for them is their grumpy old coach
0: yeah no I I mean I think the Jets ones like like Fitzy mentioned you know that that one's interesting. I mean, the Eagles, I mean, I still think that the Patriots have some juice. I mean, I don't think that they're uh, you know, the, the, the bottom feeders of the league by any, you know, there's certainly a huge draw still with them, but you're right. I mean, are they going to be all those primetime games where I want to put Patriots bills in primetime still? I mean, a few years ago, that's great, but eh, that might not be the most competitive, you know, game, at least that's how it's gone the last couple of years. So um, certainly a reflection on, on how the league f- feels about the team, also, just praying to God that we're not that Black Friday game. <laughs> was oh, like, I was
1: thinking the same thing. I was like, please, I love the idea there's a Black Friday game. I have no desire. They, you know, I'm, I'm but it's going to happen. Patriots Cowboys is going to get put on some holiday or in some primetime viewing. It's going to like give it right to us.
0: Last year, we don't all want to work on Thanksgiving again, right? Is that a no. fisting right there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's well, some people call me fisty sometimes, so you never know. Uh, all right, real quick, Deuce. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Mike Vrabel gets into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Your thoughts on him winning that? And also, tell me, what do I have to do? What do we have to do to put Welka, our pre, one of our pre, one of our original Foxborough fanboy fan crushes? What do we got to do to get the legend of Welka, get some respect back on that name in this region and get him into the Pats Hall of Fame? Oh God,
0: can you erase uh, Super Bowl forty six? Because I think that's what everybody holds against him is uh, is one play. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, but happy for Vrabel. I mean, it was just dragging on too long. I mean, I just think in so many ways, Vrabel embodies a lot of what we talk about with what this Patriots team was. And, you know, not to say that he was like a totally forgotten free agent cast off in Pittsburgh. I think he just, you know, was part of the rotation there at linebacker. He just wanted a chance to start, but, you know, we kind of started that whole thing of, hey, we, we signed these like free agent. You don't really know who he is. And he goes on to be, you know, just one of the most versatile players catching touchdowns. I mean, 10 touchdowns. It's just insane to me. Uh, and some of those catches were just were so impressive. He was just such a hard ass, too. I just I just love the way he played. He was a total pain in the ass to play against. And just, you know, one of those players you talk about going into a game where you're like, I just have confidence because this guy is on my team. That was how I always felt about Mike Rabel, you know, whether he was playing defense, offense, special teams, whatever it was um so yeah but we got to get we got to get welker in there it's one of the it's one of the things i just i hate about this is just how one play can can change things of, of how fans look at a player and i mean just the way you felt about that guy in 07, 08 without brady 2009 when he went down with his acl comes back in 2010 and is you know similarly productive i mean it's just there was no drop off he was just such a unique and fun player to watch he was just so tough and and i'm I just it makes me bummed out that You know, that kind of gets lost because of that, you know, one play in the Super Bowl, which I think most people kind of say, I always say it's a tough catch that he maybe should have caught.
1: So did Bill (laughs) O'Brien. Bill O'Brien said the same thing. He said it was after the game. He said it wasn't a drop.
0: No, I mean, it hit him off the face. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Let's keep Brady out of the hole, too. Right. I know. I know. You know, it's the Super Bowl and it's a huge play. You can talk about the plays that Julian Edelman did come through in the Super Bowl that were, you know, that were similarly uh, difficult catches to make. But at the same time, you know, one play doesn't make a player. And and, I mean, the guy probably would have been MVP of 42 if they had if they had hung on in that one, too. So um, just love Welker and and hope that that can all be water under the bridge someday. Uh, You know, have him come here and and get a nice round of, of applause. But I don't know, man. Fans are fickle. Yeah, I blame you, people. <laughs> there
1: we go. And There's Andy. People. There we and go. Profit. Finally. How dare you drop it? Yep. You uh, Foxborough faithful, faithful uh, in my ass, as I like to say. All right, last, like, qu- last last question. We got. So now he's getting angry. This has been yeah. too good a podcast for you to ruin it. in The end. Last question, Andy.
2: Uh so simple one. I'm sure we'll talk to you again, but I'm asking this hey. mostly because of the tone I got from you yeah. throughout this. Uh, what's Patriots' record going to be this year?
1: Ooh, um, people are doing early rosters we're doing early record predictions even yep, before yeah. the schedule dropped. Wow. nine and eight wow, wow, wow. nine and eight oh,
0: that's actually <laughs> really more going.
1: optimistic than i took from your tone
0: no i mean <laughs> look I, I look i think that they were a better team last year than they ever put forth on the field you know and i, I mean i think that you, you get overly depressed with how how ineffective it was last year and you know just the bad vibes overall that, that kind of gathered steam throughout the season and you know you just didn't feel great about the team and some of that still lingers but i think know the the quality of the draft players that they're able to come in and i'm just you know so excited to to see gonzalez to see those two rookie receivers on the field in a couple weeks i know it's otas you can't tell much but um you know just i think that those guys it's if if those guys start to pop and you see something out of you know the guys from last year that maybe you didn't quite see enough is is jack jones gonna come back and you know everything's water under the bridge he's back out there he's going to be a contributor again okay Um, you know, how do they fill the McCourty hole that that's part of it too. But I, you know, if those young guys start to pop again, um, you know, I think we'll start to feel better, but it's just hard to say you haven't made that, you know, huge change other than I think Bill O'Brien's enough to get you a couple more wins. And then if the players ascend, maybe maybe you get 10, maybe you get 11.
1: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the same damn record I keep offering every season, 10 and seven. They are nine and 10 against the AFC East since Tom Brady left and his utter run of dominance against the AFC East. Six of those wins are against the Jetropolitans. Yeah, I say this season, if you split with the AFC East, and they all, every team in the AFC East has a brutal schedule, if you can split with all the teams in the AFC East and then just win one or two more than you lose the rest of the way, if, if against the rest of the league of those other 11 games, if you can go six and five or even seven and four, heaven forbid, you may, cons- you may see yourself, A, making progress, B, being competitive, C, entertaining us, and D, with a shot to play meaningful football in January, which, with our standards and expectations reset, Deuce, is all we could possibly ask. Folks, make sure you read them on the regular Patriots.com. Listen to them Tuesday through Thursday, Patriots Unfiltered, or subscribe to the podcast. He's down there with the Lazer Show, with Freddie Kirsch, with Perillo and company, always having a good time. Give him a follow on the Tweet Machine at Mike MikeDusso19 as well. Deuce, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope we will speak again. We'll see you down the stadium this summertime. Hopefully, we'll actually hang out in person. Uh, and, of course, you know I'm good for the first round in Frankfurt come November.
0: Love it. Thanks, guys.
1: See you, Deuce. All right. All right, Deuce. That'll do uh, for Deuce. For Jumbo, this is Fitzy. Thanks for listening once again to Six Rings in Football. Things brought to you by WEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Always a pleasure. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Take care. Good day. God bless. And as always, go Pats.